the North Shore Vineyard Church Audio Podcast. I'm Kristen Schroeder. Today we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, the passage, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Uh, we're going to be untangling what it means to be pure inside and how that opens our eyes to seeing God in the world around us. Some really good stuff here. Stay up with all things North Shore Vineyard at northshorevineyard.org. But for now, let's go ahead and head to the talk. More show the church in downtown Today's passage that we're going to be looking at, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. And this is Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When we consider the work of Jesus in the Gospels, it is evident that some people recognize the work of God in Jesus while others were oblivious. One of the greatest ironies in the Gospels is that there are really kind of two groups of people that Jesus bumps into over and over again. And there's one group that sees Jesus as God and they see what he's doing and they rejoice and there's another group that doesn't. And it's kind of confusing and, and a little bit ironic that the group that doesn't rejoice in what Jesus is doing is the most outwardly uh, righteous group that there is, uh, the Pharisees. And uh, the ones that actually embrace what God is doing, actually see God at work, are the sinners, the losers, the, you know, the ones on the edge, of the, the ones who don't have a religious bone in their body. And this is a story we see over and over again. And Jesus actually uses these words to describe the Pharisees. He calls them blind Pharisees, blind men, blind guys, and blind fools <laughs> to, to describe the Pharisees. Now, here's the deal. If you were living in that time, if there was one group of people you thought might know God, it would be the Pharisees because they were extremely devout and pious, and they followed the rules, and they, they had the right stances on all the moral issues of their day. They had this stuff about religion figured out. And yet time and time again, we see that they not only miss what Jesus is doing, they actually oppose it. They're blind to what God is doing. So what I, the first thing I want to say today is we, as we look at this idea, the pure in heart will see God, I want to, to, to hit on the issue that this idea of purity of heart is maybe very different than we typically think of it. You know, when I first became a Christian as an adult, I, I moved down to Louisiana, and, and the church that I was a part of for the first several years was a church that really talked a whole lot about purity and holiness and, and you know, doing all these things to get God's favor in your life. And so uh, I, I wanted all that, right? And so I found myself as a young Christian uh, in, in just kind of torment all the time because there were these things in my heart, lust and pride and anger and all this stuff, and I would focus so much on these things that... that it, that it really made God smaller. I magnify. Have you ever done that before? Like, like, just try this this afternoon. Don't try it for very long. But just think of all the things you don't like about yourself. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, this church is depressing. No, but, but there's a sense we, you know, I mean, 
I had this happen yesterday. I was, I, I was shaving. There's actually a part of my face that I shave. You know, I'm shaving my neck. I get a little shaving cream in, in my beard, and, and I'm, I'm wiping it off. And I was like, why is this stuff not coming out? And then I was like, dang it. It's, it's, my beard hair is white. Uh, <laughs> 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 so it was just, I was getting, getting a towel, and I was like, yeah. But the truth is, we, we can sit down and think of all the stuff that we don't like about ourselves, our love handles, our gray hair, uh, and not to mention maybe, uh, you know, the, the, the things that we wish we exercised more or ate better or, or, you know, didn't cuss so much at people in New Orleans when they're driving on the highway or whatever it is. But there's a sense, you know, David talks in, in the book of Psalms, he says, magnify the Lord with me. You know, when you magnify the Lord, it's not like God gets bigger, but your, your, your view of God gets bigger. The problem is that when we've got a, a, a wrong view of purity and holiness, an external religious kind of view like the Pharisees, we end up magnifying our own sins. And, we get in, and when you start looking at the stuff you hate about yourself, you get inward. <laughs> you get depressed. You stop looking at other people, and you stop seeing God around you. Have you ever done that before? You stop seeing God around you. God becomes much smaller. Your sins become much bigger. Paul talks about, uh, that. he uses this phrase about having the eyes of your heart opened. We've, we've sang a song, you probably heard it, you know, open the eyes of my heart. Uh, you know, in that, that passage that we read this morning, Jesus says, the eyes are the window to your soul. If you've got, uh, if, if your eyes are good and let light in, then, then your soul is going to be filled with light. Now, Jesus was speaking metaphorically here. It's a good thing if you wear glasses. It's all right. But, you know, when I first moved down to Louisiana, um, back in like 1993, a long time ago, um, When I moved down to Louisiana from Texas, I had never encountered the phenomenon of love bugs. (laughs) And that was a bizarre thing for somebody who grew up out in Texas, West Texas, to encounter. And here I am driving down in the height of really the worst love bugs time that I'd ever recorded. Um, And and I'm I'm coming down I-49 from Shreveport. And by the time I get to Lafayette to turn on I-10, my little Toyota Corolla hatchback, which was kind of white, was like just totally speckled. <laughs> and, and the windshield, my, my, I'd use my windshield wiper fluid. It had given up in Alexandria. <laughs> and what the worst thing is, if you got love bugs on your window and you don't have windshield wiper fluid, is to turn on your, your, your wipers, right? You know what I'm talking about? And so you just get this, this goopy, gross, speckled mass of stuff obscuring your vision. And then you pull into a, a, a gas station in Lafayette to, to get some the stuff with a squeegee. And then you look down in there, and it's just filled. It's just like soup of love bugs in there because somebody else has had that idea as well. Um, but what happened when I was driving uh, that day, it actually got to the point where these love bugs were so bad, like I, I could hardly see. It's like, you know, driving in the fog. Now, here's the deal. Reality outside my car had not changed, but my ability to see what was going on was compromised. And that's the deal, what Jesus is getting at, that, that our hearts, that, that, that if we're pure in heart, you know, the word pure that's translated pure, it's the same word you can translate clean. 
when the windows of your heart are clean, then you can see God. But when the windows of your heart are, are, are covered with grime and grossness, your ability to see what God is doing is compromised. It's not the morally upright or ethically irreproachable that have clean hearts, as commendable as these things may be. Rather, cleanness of heart has to do with a lack of pride, hypocrisy, and judgmentalism. Overconfidence in our ability to see, producing the deception that we can accurately judge others, is in reality a form of spiritual blindness. There's a a writing in the Talmud that uh, the, a Jewish book says, we do not see things as they are, we see things as we are. <laughs> see, the, the problem with the Pharisees was not that they were so good at, 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 at righteous things on the outside. The problem was that they were so filled with pride and arrogance on the inside. You know, last week I, I was talking about Uh, What was the passage? Uh, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And I I mentioned how Matthew, the tax collector, Jesus says, he sees him, you know, by the by the Sea of Galilee, he says, I want you to follow me. And Matthew, uh, who would have been considered a gangster, kind of basically a mob guy in that day, corrupt, Matthew leaves his tax collecting uh, business and follows Jesus. And Jesus ends up at Matthew's house for a party later on that night. Well, the Pharisees, they just start going, who is Jesus? We thought he was a prophet. We thought he was a good teacher, but he's hanging out with the scum of the earth. He's hanging out with the losers, the, the corrupt. The, 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 if, if he was such a great teacher, why that? And Jesus says with a wink, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> he says, a, a doctor doesn't come for people who are well, but for people who are sick. Now, Jesus wasn't validating the Pharisees saying, oh, no, I didn't come for you. You guys, y'all, y'all are really doing good. Jesus was saying, here's the deal. You don't realize how messed up you are. <laughs> these guys do. And these guys get in. See, time and time again, it's, it's the people who, like, it just offends us. I mean, honestly, if we're, if we're honest, um, we don't like to see corrupt people getting rewarded, Right? We don't like to see people who don't contribute to society, uh, you know, getting a, a good deal. We don't, we don't like to see that in our minds. And yet, in Jesus' ministry, it was the poor, the corrupt, the, the, the sinners who, who, who are getting in on it. They can see God. Why is it that they can see God and the Pharisees can't? Because they don't have pride and arrogance in their heart. Jesus shows us time and time again that, that the bigger sin, the, the mother of all sins, is our pride. When we start looking down our noses at other people, when we start thinking that we are just a little bit better than everybody else, we're a little bit closer to God, guess what? That's the moment we become blind. The windows are fogged up. They're covered in grime. John 9, 31, uh, 39 through 41. I love this passage. It's one of my favorite stories. I, I was going to read it to you, but I'm not. I'm going to just uh, do an interpretive dance today. To <laughs> Seeing how many of y'all are still paying. Is it getting hot in here yet? It is? Okay. 
<laughs> Let me fix this. Our, our thermostat's hidden, so. But don't don't talk amongst yourselves yet. There we go. All right. People pay attention more when they're cold. <laughs> so, so Jesus and his disciples are, are walking down a road. And it says in John 9, verse 1, it says, And when he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, here's the deal. The disciples, when they see this blind guy, they see a guy who's a sinner. I mean, they've already summed him up. They've they've already characterized him sinner. He wouldn't be blind unless he sinned or his parents sinned. And and the Jewish people, they had this weird concept back then that you could sin in your mother's womb. Which, uh, and so they asked Jesus, did he sin? Uh, you know, either now or in his mother's womb, or was it his parents? Why is he blind? And Jesus said, look, this doesn't have anything to do with sin. Actually, this is an opportunity for God to show up and do something amazing. And so what we see is Jesus does this unusual miracle by spitting in the dirt, making mud, and then packing this mud on the guy's eyes. And he says, go wash your eyes off in this pool, and you'll be healed. And so this blind beggar, you know, who, who was not contributing anything to society, uh, living off the, the contributions of other people, he gets up, he washes his eyes off, and he can see. Now, what was scandalous is that Jesus did this miracle on a Sunday. Um, not on a Sunday, actually, on the Sabbath, which uh, would have been Saturday, basically. And so, uh, no, it would be Saturday, not not. Um, And so Jesus does this miracle on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees get so upset because Jesus is breaking the law. He's breaking the rules. If he was truly of God, how come he doesn't obey the rules that God made? In their mind, Jesus is just as much a sinner as this guy. And so this poor guy, his only only sin is that he just got healed. Imagine that. Imagine like you finally get to see for the first time in your life, you're, you're, you're seeing colors and people's faces that you've never seen. And then all of a sudden you get dragged into a trial because people can't handle the fact that you got healed on a, uh, on a Saturday, on the Sabbath. And that's what happens to this guy. He gets interrogated over and over again. Like, who is this that healed you? If this guy was of God, he wouldn't have healed you on the Sabbath. Why couldn't he have healed you any other day of the week? And this guy's finally like, look, I don't know who this guy was. He hadn't even seen Jesus yet because Jesus told him to wash his eyes off. So he hadn't even seen what Jesus looks like yet. He says, look, all I know is I was blind, but now I see. And so they interrogate his parents. And finally, at the end of the thing, they, they just, they're like, we've just had it. He's a sinner. They've written him off because they cannot see God moving. They will not see that this is God. And Jesus, uh, after, towards the end of the story, Jesus actually bumps into this guy out on the street, and this guy finally sees Jesus for who he is. And uh, Jesus says this, when people kind of look at it, see what he's doing with this blind guy. This blind guy, he talks to him, and, and he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in me? And this, blind guy, this guy who was formerly blind says, who is he, sir? 
Tell me so that I can believe in him. Jesus says, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Now, this is, I love this part because at the end of this story, Jesus says this. He says, it's for judgment that I've come into, those, into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard him say this, and they said, what, are we blind too? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. It is possible to be right in front of Jesus, seeing Jesus heal somebody and not see God. It's possible. Brian Zahn, a pastor from uh, up in Kansas, he, he writes this. He says, If the Pharisees had been honest with themselves and in humility acknowledged that because of their own sin, their own human limitations, they had a propensity to misjudge and misinterpret and therefore did not trust their own ability to judge others, then they could have recognized the work of God in Christ and could have begun the process of learning how to see in the light of Christ. But instead, their own spiritual pride contemned them to their own spiritual darkness. The same window that allows light in so that we can see our sin is also the window by which we can look outward and see God at work in the world. Those who claim to be more qualified to judge others because of their own supposed moral superiority are in fact living in a profound spiritual darkness. The window of their soul is so covered with the grime of hypocrisy and spiritual pride that it neither allows light in nor allows them to see out. See, here's the thing. When we come to Jesus and we admit, God, I I got all kinds of junk inside that I'm not happy about. I know uh, that, that if you put me in a certain situation, I'll probably do something as stupid as maybe the person that I point my finger at. I love it when Jesus is, is having the Last Supper with, with his disciples. He says, one of you is going to betray me. And, and John the Apostle says, is it me? And you know what that shows me about John? Like He doesn't think that even though he's been with Jesus all these years, that, that he's not capable of doing something wrong. See, that's the problem. I love what the Apostle Paul says. He says, be careful where you think you stand, lest you fall. You know, my early years as a Christian, when I was living such an external, religious, legalistic kind of Christianity, uh, I was, it was all coming from the outside in. But what I found over the years is that Jesus wants to start this work of grace and love and mercy and compassion within our hearts, and it will work its way out. We don't start by knowing how to do these things very good. We don't start as great people who, you know, love great or, um, you know, who are, are merciful. But it's as we encounter those things within that God transforms us. You know, the Pharisees, Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, uh, you know, you guys, you're like these beautiful cups. They look nice on the outside, but you look inside and they're just nasty. Nobody want to drink out of that cup. 
So you guys are like whitewashed tombs. What what are those things they down in New Orleans? The crypts, mausoleums. Yeah, if you go down to New Orleans, or even in Covington, they've got a, a graveyard. And some some of these mausoleums you see are are just beautiful, made out of marble, and they got statues and carvings. And Jesus said, "You Pharisees, you're like that. You look beautiful on the outside." But on the inside, you're filled with dead man's bones. See, the difference between Pharisee religion and what Jesus brings is that Pharisee stuff starts on the outside. It's all external. It's all outside, and it doesn't penetrate the heart. It doesn't bring about real change within. Jesus, on the other hand, he doesn't start with what you're doing on the outside. He starts inside. And it's that transformation within that works its way out. See, what Jesus is going for... Hear me today. I'm not saying that, you know, it doesn't matter how you live your life. You know, just do what you want. Uh, you know, reality is that, that, that morality is a good thing, you know. <laughs> but that morality has to come from a place. And if it's not coming from Jesus, if it's not coming from transformation within, then it's, it's just noise. It lacks substance. And ultimately, it's destructive. We've seen the destructions that the religions of this world, whether Christianity or other religions, bring when they're not coming from a place of, of, of substance, of love on the inside. And Jesus invites us into a way of life where we encounter his love, his truth, his grace within, and it works its way out. You know, Colossians 1.15, I love this, it's... Uh, the Apostle Paul writes, the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, if you look at the Old Testament, nobody actually saw God. Some people would see, you know, like Moses got to see God's backside a bit. Uh, some people would see, you know, the cloud of God's glory, but nobody got to see God. And what the Apostle Paul says, we have actually seen God. We see what God has looked like because of the incarnation of Christ. If you want to know what God the Father's like, he's exactly like Jesus. If you want to know how God acts in the world, you need look no further than the Gospels of Jesus Christ. When we see Jesus eating with sinners, we're seeing how God acts with sinners. When we see Jesus and embrace the adulterous woman, we see how God acts. When we see Jesus healing and reconciling people, this is what God looks like. I just, I, I, in my mind, um, I don't know, I've said this before, but I kind of see this scene in my imagination. The Trinity's hanging out, Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, they're looking down on earth at all the religions that, that man has created and all the ways where God, God is being misrepresented, even among his own people. And finally, Jesus says, hey, pops, you want me to go down there and show them what we're really like? And so he does. Jesus perfectly reveals the Father. If we want to know what God is truly like, we look at Jesus. But here's the deal. It doesn't stop there. Because even the way Jesus was the incarnate word of God, that's his plan for each of us, that we would actually become love. That it would be the substance of our being. That we wouldn't just try to 
grit our teeth and forgive people, but at some point we would become the forgiveness of Christ, the peace of Christ, the love of Christ to this world around us. Brian Zahn writes again, he says, God continues his work in the world through incarnation in the lives of ordinary people who were willing to love and serve others in the name of Christ. If we are corrupted by pride and possess a judgmental disposition, we will never be able to see God at work in the lives of flawed human beings. We will only see their sin and never see God. But if in humility we acknowledge our own sins and flaws, disqualifying ourselves to judge others, that is when at last we begin to see. And what we will see will surprise us. Instead of seeing the sins and shortcomings of others, we will see God unexpectedly at work in the lives of ordinary people, even sinners. Sometimes the world becomes a much more beautiful place simply by being able to see God, to see God present in the lives of others. In this case, it's true. Beauty lies in the eye of the beholder. When we come before the Lord and we're just honest saying, God, I give up my right to judge other people because I got no place. You've shown me mercy in my most obstinate, sinful days. I got no right to judge other people for whatever they're struggling with. When we do that, all of a sudden we begin to see. I got to tell you, I find myself every week now as a pastor uh, in places that I wouldn't have gone 20 years ago (laughs) because I'm hanging out with a bunch of sinners. You know, whether it's playing music or hanging out with some guys at the cigar shop or whatever. I, I, I hang out a lot with people who don't, don't profess faith in Jesus. They don't go to church. And here's the deal. When I come and I genuinely just make friends with people, I see God at work in their lives. I see it. My view of God has become much bigger because God's dealing with that junk in my heart. And by the way, I'm not proud that, you know, he's dealt with that. (laughs) I still got a lot of pride and arrogance to go. And some of you who've been around me know that I can uh, be that way. But here's the deal. When we come to God and we just say, God, I got nothing to offer here. I stand in need of your grace today the same way I stood in need of your grace 10 years, 20 years ago. When we open ourselves to that, then we get to see God, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of other people. We're going to close today by taking communion together. Um, I'm going to invite Zach and Faith up here. Oh, they're going to hate me back in children's church. (laughs) We're a little over time. This will be express communion. (laughs) Did like the Pentecostals. You're going to run up here, run around the room and run out. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to invite you today, uh, you know, there's a story in, in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus walks with these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They don't know who he is. And then when they finally get to this place where they're going, Jesus breaks bread. And when he breaks bread, they see him. Today, let's keep that image on our head that, 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 that even as we come to the body broken, the blood shed, that our eyes would be open to see this God, this King of glory.